Hey guys, before we get to this story of boat-bound eldritch horror, I would truly like you to consider giving to our Patreon. The extra money gives us the resources we need to buy new books, go to conventions, and everything else a podcast needs to survive in this dark, dreary world. Anyway, I want to thank the following Patreon listeners. David Fergman, Ken Doyle, Maxime Makamedov, Fairy's Tale, Kevin Smith, Sam, Leona Coffing, David Millar, Call Me Ishmael, and Bridget Hughes. Thanks for leading us to the madness within the seas. You got your uh, can of beans, you got your other can of beans, and you got your third can of beans. Third can of beans is what separates the professionals from the amateurs. Dr. Edwin Smith, Chair of Miskatonic University's Anthropology Department, gave you a parcel. She comes out with, of course, her million-dollar smile, blowing kisses at the assembled photographers. Obviously, they're only there for her. Who cares about a silly boat launch? No, Antoine, she told me personally through a friend that I know through the college who was correspondence friends with one of her assistants that is in uh, that was in Luxembourg that it's possible that we could actually find wreckage that we could salvage on this very ship underneath in the water. Imagine. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Fandible.com Actual Play Podcast. I am Dave, bringing you once again into the world of Shadow... This can't be right. This doesn't say 2077, it says 2026. I can't do anything with this kind of information. It's going to drive me mad. Mad, I tell you, which is why we're playing for the first time ever, Call of Cthulhu. Yes! Get in, lads and lasses. Let's do this. Yes. We're finally doing it. All the racism rolling. All the rolls for the... uh, Woo. Yeah. I had to read a lot of Lovecraft for this, uh, for researching this, though I am a big fan of the writing, not a fan of the man's views. Woo. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Watched a bunch of movies, listened to a bunch of music, and occasionally flipped through the book. That is Call of Cthulhu, 7th edition. We are here. I am joined by Angela, Billy, Daniel, and Jesus. The entire crew is here for the game Bon Voyage. Bon Voyage is going to take place in, I keep almost saying 2026, which is absurd. That's the distant future. You've definitely Uh, already said 2026. Yeah, you did. Yeah. 1996. There we go. I did it, right? <laughs> Guys? Ska's important, and so is Yuck Soth, guys. <laughs> um, so, 1926 uh, is, the, is the time and setting of our game. New York City. And I would like to go around the table, starting with... We're going to go with Jesus, then Dan then Billy, and then Angela. Please introduce yourself and your characters. 
Hi guys, this is Jesus, and I am playing uh, Sal Brom, a private uh, detective in New York City. Uh, it's a good job, I mostly catch criminals, and most of the time they're kept in jail and not through corruption or various other methods, uh, allowed to do their criminal acts because they pay off the police. Uh, it's a uh, harsh existence being a private detective sometimes, but it's better than uh, the war I was in. Uh, they call it the Great War nowadays. I've saw men do horrible things to each other, horrible things to accept themselves to escape the violence, so this is, I guess, better? And now I'm just, uh, here, on a boat, mm -hmm. just doing detective stuff, and nothing wrong <laughs> is gonna happen. Absolutely nothing whatsoever. And, uh, Sal, mm -hmm. you became a private investigator from the Great War because you were part of the photographer's division in the United States military, having to do with, uh, with uh, wartime propaganda. Uh, is a, it's a very a clinical and unfair term to what you did. Um, war, war enhancement. No, there was actually a, di uh, actually a division of, uh, that I don't have in front of me, I'm sorry, uh, that did primarily uh, photography and, and reporting and things like that. And that's where you got your skill set for photography, which is actually one of your abilities. And this kind of ruggedness and, well, ruggedness is a very polite way to put it, uh, the effects of war um, ground you into a, uh, ground you down into a uh, kind of person who could do the work of a private investigator. But your photography skill set came in very, very handy. And that is where you got your foot in the door to, uh, for your current occupation. So next is Dan. All right. Hey guys, uh, ladies, gentlemen, people, listeners of all stripes and Satan, general locations. <laughs> e I, uh, this is Dan and I'm playing Augustine von Klauf oil baron and world traveler and i've uh, been to all over the world uh, hindustan and uh, burma definitely been to burma and now i'm on this boat going to the next location in my many world travels uh, maybe burma again i'm uh, where is this boat going to actually anyway <laughs> we'll get to that all right. I'm assuming door, Burma until further notice. The camera pans out, doors swing shut, and you are alone with the camera. What do you say then? Oh my god, I cannot keep that up all friggin' day. Well, you know what? At least I got a cabin, I guess, in here. It beats uh, trying to get some sleep in a boxcar like I've been doing for the past, I don't even know how many years by this point. But you know what? It turns out Turns out, you take a shower, you clean up a bit, you tell people you're a world traveler, they just buy it. They ain't, they ain't never been nowhere. <laughs> so you tell them you, you, you've been to Burma, they go, oh, how was Burma? And you go, it was fucking great. And they believe you. They ain't been to Burma. You're the guy that went to Burma now. It works. What's your name, traveler? Uh, my name. What's your real name? My name? Oh, well, yeah, Sorry, I'm to the second to page of the sheet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. You're, in too You're deep. a person inside of a person inside of a person. Uh, my real name, of course, is Roger Burton. Or, yeah, my friends call me Rat. Thank you, Rat. Uh, next, uh, Billy. 
Hey everybody, this is Billy, and I am playing uh, Dr. Anton Agni of the uh, Westchester Agnes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you see, I'm, uh, I had to put in my due, uh, working very late hours, sometimes six to seven hours a day, uh, just trying to make it in the academic world. Um, I have a, uh, well, a perchance for language, history, anthropology, and that brought me to the uh, accolade uh, rewarded to me by uh, the uh, Miskatonic University. Of course, you know, hard work breeds discontent in the homestead, so... Now that I'm an official doctor and no longer an adjunct, I have taken it upon myself to bring my wife, uh, Matilda, 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 Melinda, oh, it's going to be a long weekend. I'm bringing my wife, Melinda, on this fine vessel because she, uh, she adores a lot of the ignorant entertainment, such as... Uh, uh, the spook tactics of uh, cinema and the, uh, you know, the the penny dreadfuls such as, uh, oh, you know, the, what's his name? That, uh, quoth the raven fellow, Edgar Allan Poe, I call him. Uh, so uh, she's really excited to be here. And I figured while she's uh, off gallivanting throughout the boat, I could perhaps get some time to work on my dissertation. Lord knows I'm going to be a rising star at Miskatonic University. And uh, no time like the present to start that uh, combustion engine, they say. Ring-a-ding-ding. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Doctor. And finally, Angela. Real fast before I settle on the voice for my character, David. Uh, so we are in 1926. We um, both know I was going for Mid-Atlantic. We both know. <laughs> that was my goal. Well, because for... we're technically a year before talkies <clears throat> begin. Mm -hmm. But if you want if you want my best Mid-Atlantic, let's see how it goes. Uh, you're a year before talkies begin, but not radio. Okay, so we... All right, you're right. You're right. So you have a face for radio. Hey. <laughs> I have couch an, must be comfy. I have an 80 appearance. Thank you very much. <laughs> that almost matches my education. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, she'd probably get her doctorate in a third of the time, too. <laughs> Look, I made you play an academic who has academics, all right? I don't need to tell you anything. Okay, anyway. Hi, everybody. This is Angela, and I am playing Victoria Westchild, star of radio and the silver screen. I am best known, of course, for my roles in When Trouble Knocks, A Golden Idea, and Beware the Idol. <laughs> Thank you very much, Victoria. Uh, Victoria, you are, um, you are of course, a uh, screen and radio and stage uh, star. Uh, of course I am, darling. I've never not been the star. Recognized by uh, many people from, from hundreds of yards, if not miles away. And there was even a, a sterling review uh, in one of the tabloids saying that the uh, the only way that you could escape the eye of the public is by the curvature of the earth, which is why uh, it has grabbed everyone's attention in the media that you are going to be on the 
uh, on the maiden voyage of the RMS Arcana. In fact, all of you are going to be on the maiden voyage of the RMS Arcana, constructed in New Jersey and sailing from New York City. It is going to be retracing the steps of the ill-fated, tragic RMS Titanic 15 years ago. Wholesome. Now, yes. Uh, and so, um, Jesus, excuse me, Sal. S- Sal, you've been hired to track somebody down. Your, your boss, your client, Samantha Antonio, has hired you to track down her no-good two-timing husband who is a blonde-haired Caucasian gentleman who is a blonde-haired Caucasian gentleman average height and build she shows you a picture handsome guy um, but uh, has uh, has a a keen look about him probably going to be a smart person so it's going to be hard to tell but all of your all of your information from your client says that most likely the uh, the uh, person that you are tailing and trying to get an idea of where they're going and tell them that their their wife absolutely needs them home ASAP uh, is going to be on the RMS Arcana. And you've been giving a retainer that easily pays for passage onto the ship. Whoever this guy is, this woman really wants him found. She has deep pockets. Uh, But the RMS Titanic is not simply, uh, is not simply, uh, sorry, Titanic. (laughs) Ah, The RMS, sorry, because I've got a lot of notes in front of me. The RMS Arcana is not only retracing the steps of the unfortunate Titanic, but it is also going to be Uh, going to be home to the world's largest seance ever conducted. And it will be conducted by no one else than world famous spiritualist. The woman whose eyes behold all of the wonders of the cosmos and its most detailed secrets, Madame Zostra. Madame Zostra is going to be aboard and win win the uh, the arcana is in the waters that the Titanic went down in. The seance will occur. And many well-heeled spiritualists have poured money into their tickets and to, uh, to cement their place, perhaps a bad choice of words for a floating boat, uh, into, into their cabin so that they may uh, be party to this. But they will not only be party to that, but they will also be party to uh, Victoria. Victoria West uh, Westchild will also be aboard. Now, Victoria, you're welcome, darlings. You have uh, through your considerable wealth. In fact, your wealth is marked on your character sheet in the second part. You are considered a wealthy person. Fun fact: you have roughly fifty dollars of comfortable spending money, roughly per day in order to just be wealthy. To give you an idea, in 1926, $1 was the equivalent of um, $25 Ooh. now. 
So you can throw some money around. And with that in mind, you have made sure to procure lodgings for yourself and for uh, to make sure that is uh, as resplendent as possible. But also, more importantly, you've invited a very good friend that you've never met before. Yes. None other than Harry Houdini has been a pen pal of yours for quite some time. Harry Houdini. Uh, Harry Houdini, who, uh, who is uh, absolutely thrilled to be uh, to to be part of this, is going to be uh, appearing, primarily because he has he has told you in no unexplicit terms he cannot wait to expose Madame Zostra for exactly who she is, a complete fraud, and the fact that he will have a uh, a captured audience. To watch it all happens means that, as he has put it, and he is crafting his own story that he will he will uh, send to the papers. The RMS Arcana floated into a sea of ignorance and floated out a sea of educated persons. You have yet to hear from him, aside from him saying, "I will be there." Got it. Also, also on the ship for the RMS. Uh, Uh, for the RMS Arcana is going to be a friend of yours uh, who is also uh, who is also uh, employed by uh, we're going to say MGM because I didn't look up uh, I didn't look up any uh, uh, any uh, production houses uh, for 1926 26 (laughs) I did it Uh, and your friend tell us about your friend that would be the well-known actress Virginia Carraway, who is uh, often considered for the same parts that I am, but of course I'm the one that gets first choice because I am the darling of MGM, and, Vin- and Veronica is, of course, quite capable at what she does. But I'm better. And she, through some absolute temper tantruming has uh, has managed to weasel herself into the spot of the person who is going to break the ceremonial bottle of champagne on the bow of the ship. And it's also noteworthy that normally it's someone who's standing on the pier would do that. So whatever she screamed in whatever language and whatever pitch was real loud. Now, speaking of people who know how to not waste champagne. Uh, I almost called you Baron. Uh, Drifter. (laughs) Uh, Augustine von Klauff. Augustine. You have, through sheer gall, managed to lie your way onto this ship. Three square meals, comfy place to sleep. And you have, however accumulated enough things in your travels to fit inside of one piece of luggage. Mm-hmm. And these things are immediately telltale for what a drift, the kind of drifter that you are. They are not an oil baron's belongings, but you couldn't right. do without them. What are they? I mean, I've got the basics and you know, I've got, uh, you got yourself. Uh, first of all, the, the one thing I never go without anywhere is my lucky rabbit's foot. I, this, this, you know, people say shit about luck, but 
I'm gonna tell you this thing has saved me more times than I can count. So yeah, no, this goes with me everywhere. The rest of it is, you know, your your, your basic uh, necessities out on the road. You got your stick. Very important to have a stick. You got your uh, can of beans. You got your other can of beans. And you got your third can of beans. Third can of beans is what separates the professionals from the amateurs. Uh, mm-hmm. You got yourself uh, the, the, the standard uh, issue pile of rags. And, uh, and of course, uh, a bottle of hooch, half empty at all times. <laughs> Fantastic. I want to... Mentioned I did the math wrong. This is the 14-year anniversary, not 15-year anniversary. Sorry about uh, the management apologizes for the mistake. And last but not least, the academic sir, Dr. Antoine Agni. You are not simply partial to this voyage uh, for a mere whimsical fantasy of life on the open seas. Heaven forbid that is not your calling, though... In your younger years, you were somewhat of an adventurer amongst your peers. Well, I have been known to uh, <laughs> attend an opera and the bar afterwards. <laughs> my, my. That's right. That's right. Whilst in Stratford-upon-the-Avon and seeing a production of King Lear, you, in fact, attended. Uh, you actually drank with some of the actors at the infamous Dirty Duck. And you recall most of it because they didn't know you were drinking water and cider. Well, what can I say? I have a weak constitution when it comes to the hard liquors, but I have a high constitution when it comes to using your brain. (laughs) Yes, I'm excited about this voyage. My wife uh, is more excited than I am. Now, Miss Katonic, however, has paid partial way or actually your entire way bless you we, we don't ent- tell my wife that this is a gift to her paid by me uh, but yes miss katana is paying me so technically i was not lying true because the rms is still a male vessel as well as a personnel one you don't know what is inside but the chair himself gave you a parcel to bring with you to the final destination of the trip, the city that was the original voyage point for the RMS Titanic, which is Belfast, Ireland. Uh, Dr. Edwin Smith, chair of Miskatonic University's anthropology department, gave you a parcel. How large was it and what did it kind of look like? Papers, something else? Honestly, it was uh, it's something that could fit in my jacket pocket. And the odd thing he said to make sure I never take it out of my jacket pocket. Wherever I go, it goes. It's honestly, if uh, my wife were to bump up close to me, she'd think I'd be was hiding a box of earrings for her. Which, lucky for her, in the other pocket, there's a box of earrings. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you were also given some more run-of-the-mill documentation for Miskatonic, some old uh, tomes, some old artifacts, pieces, things like that. Nothing that the school will miss, but is a there is a sister college in Belfast, and they want to uh, they want to donate some things, and so they've sent you with a steamer trunk full of objects as well. You rifled through them, and nothing really came up that was interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say? No, I was like, it's going to be, uh, that's good. It gives me something to work on. Uh, the, some of the objects uh, are not so tied to my dissertation, but they are close enough that I can incorporate them. So while my wife is enjoying the festivities of the uh, boat, I will be working in my room 
and hopefully this steamer trunk will prove somewhat useful, and when I'm done with it, I will re uh, give it to one of our sister colleges. Absolutely, absolutely. Finally, we get to the day when the RMS Arcana is going to see off its maiden voyage. There is much fanfare on the shores of Manhattan, uh, or on the pier of Manhattan, as uh, there are many onlookers that are all crowding around the gangplank in order to see, uh, the, see the voyage off. How do each one of you arrive? Most specifically, <laughs> Mr. Von Klauff, <laughs> how do you arrive? Oh, wait. Oh, quick question. Did you give me the, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, David, did you give me the name of the person I was chasing? Or maybe I missed that. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, the, the, the name uh, of the person that you're, sorry, that you were looking for. Mm -hmm. Yes. Daniel Withers. Daniel Withers. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. I think I used W-H-I too many times in these NPCs. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, so actually, any of you can start. I just wanted mm -hmm. to put the screws to Dan for a moment. Yeah, Dr. Anton Agni, uh, he and his wife, uh, they take, it's not a taxi, but it's, it's one of those expensive looking taxis, but it's not so showy that it's like a limousine or anything. He makes a show out of uh, leaving uh, first, hopping out of the car, opening the door and offering a hand to his wife. His wife, of course, is a young lady, a young woman uh, who uh, there's a lot of smiling in her face, though her eyes are a little bit more uh, unfocused, not as uh, severe as Ag uh, Antoine uh, Agni. And uh, he kisses her hand playfully, as he always does, and says, your chariot awaits. And then he waves a hand towards the boat. And there is a there is an applause from the crowd. It's such a gentlemanly show of chivalry, uh, and such advanced years, such advanced years of forty six. Oh, I think yes, forty four, forty four. And um, uh, as we're walking towards the boat, actually, ramp, yeah, very young for a professor. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I turn and point towards uh, one of the uh, one of the boats. Uh, cargo men and say make sure mm -hmm. to move the steamer trunk to my uh, cabin and I hand him uh, a slip with my name and my cabin on a top, uh, written on top of it okay he nods um, and he nods with a not with the he does two things that is strange one he doesn't hold out a hand for a tip which is commonplace for anything that's well healed is this why not try to get a little extra coin two there isn't a smile on his face he nods with a grimness well, this is New York. Mm -hmm. I say that to my wife, and she laughs, and I laugh, and we all laugh. Take that, <laughs> <laughs> And you get on the boat. Who's next? Okay. Uh, next up, without much fanfare and probably not right in front of the boat, uh, is a police car. And as it drives up and slows down and stops, out of the shotgun pops out uh, my character. Uh, uh, tallish... Uh, uh, not heavily scarred men, but there's some notable scars on his arms and his face. And he, he pop, pops out uh, wearing a slacks, uh, sh nice shirt, suspenders, and an okay jacket. Looks down and is like, uh, thanks for the ride, Duke. No problem. Yep. You uh, have fun with... No problem. You have uh, fun with the, um, you know, uh, the, the 
all the people with the things, the fancy ties. You got your fancy tie? Oh, fuck. I forgot the fancy tie. Uh, right now it's in my pocket. <laughs> get, wait, I got it. I got it. And I take out. Right next to your spats. Okay. <laughs> and he takes off. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you, too. <laughs> all right. And I, uh, uh, he turns around and just starts walking. Try not to get noticed. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's not hard. Um, except for. Except for there's no one really on the actual gangplank, so you show your ticket, and they're expecting flash and pizzazz, but you're not a man whom they're going to say no to just by bearing, mm-hmm. and you just got out of a cop car. <laughs> so whoever you are, the cops are too afraid to arrest you, apparently. <laughs> so they let you on, and there's a moment where the entire crowd is looking at this man, and you just keep walking. Mm-hmm. But then there is a cheer from the crowd as who arrives uh, second to last? Is it the actual rich person? (laughs) I think it is because she's the one that would be recognized enough to bring out a cheer from the crowd. So uh, coming approaching the dock is a limousine. And uh, when the door is opened of the limousine, you see one long leg come out, followed by the second one. And stepping out wrapped in a majestic mink coat is, of course, the one and only Victoria Westchild. She comes out with, of course, her million-dollar smile, blowing kisses at the assembled photographers. Obviously, they're only there for her. Who cares about a silly boat launch? (laughs) Beautiful. And she gestures for her her entourage to take care of her bags. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely handing your clutch purse to someone because there comes a certain point in wealth where you're no longer... Men can be deep-pocketed, but with your kind of money, you pay someone to hold your money for you. Actually, uh, also coming out of the limousine is Victoria Veronica Caraway, who is the one that I hand my purse to. And she just smiles and laughs at you like it's a big joke between sisters. (laughs) And you're glad that the cops are still on this block. (laughs) (laughs) And you both walk up the gameplank just waving, just assailed with like cheers and questions and the flash of photography. And you uh, walk your way up. And then finally... Uh, Yeah, finally, the camera kind of lingers on, on you know, the crawling up entrance. the side of the boat from the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the camera lingers on one? that area. And uh, <laughs> and then the camera, you know, kind of goes up, goes up the gangplank. And, you know, as, as more people have been arriving, there's this flow of, uh, you know, arriving guests. And into that flow from a, a side door, after having just stashed away the, uh, the crew uniform that he had been using yesterday uh, since the first day he's already been on this boat uh, is, of course, the uh, the oil baron Augustine von Klauff, uh, just easily adjusting the uh, much nicer suit that he is wearing now, grabbing his uh, his bag and just slipping into the flow of people, smiling and nodding. <laughs> All right, so an eccentric, an eccentric rich person trying to be one of the people. This is not new to New York City, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Most likely you're going to try to be a politician within a few years. <laughs> so you just weave your way into the ruffians and normal folk. And the boat is loaded. And out comes, uh, out comes Veronica, 
nope, stop that PDF. I don't need that kind of nonsense. Um, comes, excuse me, Veronica Virginia Caraway uh, with a large bottle of of uh, labels. I don't know champagne. Look, um, and goes to smash it on the. It was smashing on the boat and it kind of bounces off and there's a laughter and she tries again and it doesn't work. And there seems to be some sort of fumbling uh, about it until finally she raises it up and smashes it very hard. Champagne goes flying everywhere, which is when there is a shout from the deck of the boat as two uh, large con- crates are being moved into storage as two large crates fall from their scaffold, uh, from their wheeled scaffolding, land hard on the deck of the ship. There are large crates about six feet high, and they are covered in black cloth. And there are men running away from ropes that are pulling every which way, splintering wood everywhere. And then one of the, one of the, uh, and then the cloth from one of the giant cubes falls down. And it is not, in fact, something of stone or of wood, but of glass. Entirely clear glass filled to the brim with water as a man hung upside down, strapped in a, strapped in a, uh, what's the word? Straight Straight jacket. jacket. Thank you. Strapped in a uh, straight jacket, twists uncomfortably underneath blubbering out the last what must be the last of his air in his lungs and then the cloth from the second cube falls away and there is another man in the same straight jacket in a adjacent cube struggling and to everyone's shock and awe both men crawl out of their straight jackets unhook the chain around their legs and swing swim to the top of the cube to come out but Harry Houdini is first by a solid 10 seconds. Coming out is a blonde man of average build and average height, but with keen, intelligent eyes. And as they sputter water, they both fall to the deck, stand up, and there is a moment of silence. And then there is just a blubber of water and laughter as Harry Houdini and his brother laugh it off and go inside, waving at the crowd. His brother, who is uh, not named Dan, but is in fact named Theo. You have all seen brother and brother, uh, you've seen reports of brother and brother doing activities like this, once most notably hanging off of the same roof of the same building in Chicago, upside down trying to escape straight jackets. It's a sibling rivalry, but they're both very good. Mm-hmm. Victoria, you didn't know that there was going to be a fucking brother involved, so that's a lot of star power, but... <laughs> no matter. No matter. And off you go into the water. And there is a there is a lurch, and then you are set adrift. There is the pull of the horn three times, and then a band plays as you all go off to your destination, your silly and, ex- and indulgent destination. But all of you have something uh, very much interested, uh, interesting on the deep blue sea. Mm-hmm. 
some more complicated than others, as it turns out now, mm-hmm. as a detective uh, or as private eye, uh, Brome turns out the person you're there to at least talk to in a rough way is with arguably the most famous man in America. This is complicated. I hate complicated. <laughs> and then we are going to jump ahead to everyone settling in for the, uh, for the day. And there is a grand reception and dinner that night. Does anyone have anything that they would like to do beforehand? I try to gather some information of where, uh, probably obvious, but where uh, Daniel Withers would be staying on the boat. Uh, if you had to guess, if that, in fact, if Dan Withers is, in fact, uh, uh, Theo, Theo yep. yeah, then he would be staying with the very, very wealthy and well-heeled uh, of the of the personnel. So that would be the third. That would be the third. Um, and I probably guess probably the most secure, one of the most secure areas of the ship. An extremely secure one, yes. Fantastic. But still close enough to the top so that if it did start to sink, <laughs> not that it would, <laughs> we can drown the poor people first. Of course. Standard procedure. Mm-hmm. Their buoyancy yeah. might keep us afloat for a little longer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, they're full of hope, and that's the most buoyant <laughs> gas of all. Feel dirty saying that joke. Um, so, yeah, it was Near soon. far, the poor will float far. <laughs> oh, uh, anyone else? Uh, yeah, I'm, sure. Yeah, Doctor uh, Anton Agni. Uh, he right now, what he's doing is just—he's actually kind of surprised how nice the room he. Uh, ouch, gopher. He's actually uh, quite surprised how nice the room the. Miskatonic uh, went in for him. It's it's very stunning, uh, and he immediately goes about setting up his uh, his uh, research area, his books. Which of course he brought his own books, his pen. His he's just basically settling up uh, where he's going to be studying and working on stuff during the voyage. All the while, his wife uh, Melinda is pestering him about you know making sure he's getting ready uh, for the the you said the grand event tonight. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a it's a big feast. It's just uh, welcome everybody. It's kind of like the first night of a con. Yeah, of course, of course. So throughout his time, where he's just like you know preparing his notes, she is like walking behind him, telling him like wear this, put your tie on, tying his tie, like doing his hair, and he doesn't even realize. But by the time like the clock alerts him that they need to start heading out, he's already he's already all dressed up in his nice tux, and she of course is looking quite ra- uh, uh, riveting as well. All right. <clears throat> and I am assuming that you're bringing the object that you've been entrusted with by the by the school with you. I was told not to have it leave my person. So when Melinda's not looking at me, I transfer uh, it from my jacket, my blazer uh, into mm-hmm. my tux jacket. So your so your wife has no idea about this uh, uh, about this responsibility that you are bearing for this school. No, uh, I why would I be doing anything for the school? This is I, I paid for this completely. Uh, and good. And, and and this is a treat for her. So yeah, no, I'm not telling her. Of course not. Perfect, perfect. I have too much pride, David. No, I understand. After getting your doctorate, the lot. I mean, you probably are in a genuine, you know, in a in genuine way, you want to show your wife that like there's payoff for sticking with 
a adjunct professor in oh, Miskatonic yeah. University. <laughs> it's like, yeah, look at us now, starting from the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> oh, no hugs. No hugs right now, babe. I'm just real. I'm feeling real sick right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So uh, she's very excited. We came from the same uh, cloth. Both uh, was were raised in Connecticut. I don't need to say where. And uh, <laughs> so she, she she's just I'm trying to make sure that she believes this is all about her. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> Von Klauff? Yeah, uh, he is... Uh, I mean, I assume there is a bar, and therefore he is at it. Uh, and he is regaling whoever is nearby with uh, stories of his uh, his amazing wealth and, and various travels. So let me tell you, another bartender, another drink for, for, for myself and my friend, by my friend, he's on his tab, thank you. <laughs> the best thing about being an oil baron, which the people don't tell you this, but the best thing about oil is all the money it makes me. It's just amazing, amazing amounts of money. You should get into oil. That's I, I got one word for you. Oil. Oil. <laughs> Remember me. Remember that word. Oil. It's going to be big. It's going to be big. It's already big for me. That's how I got to Burma. Now, you ever been to Burma? No, I didn't think you'd been. You don't look like you, you can tell. You can tell when somebody's been to Burma. You can see it in their eyes. They, they've had the experience. You need another drink? Bartender, another one over here. <laughs> All right. So you are you are applying your trade like a like an absolute champion. There's no there's no time off for the grifter. Uh, and finally, Victoria Westchild. Uh, Victoria would like to go see her her dear friend Harry. All right. <clears throat> Uh, and you can, uh, yeah, that you, you were on the same floor. Mm -hmm. You were absolutely on the on the same floor. Even if Harry Houdini showed up with, uh, without a dollar to his name, he would be able to procure uh, a uh, a ride, uh, a, a, some lodging on the same floor as the as the wealthy and elite. Uh, and you can hear what sounds like a sibling argument on yeah. the other side of the of the oak door uh, that. Um, that uh, you're you're actually in such a nice area that none of the uh, none of the doors for the cabins are actually named as they are with uh, other personnel, other passengers, um, and even the captain um, has well for obvious reasons. But even the person who runs the ship needs to uh, have their identity known. But no one on the third on the third deck uh, needs that sort of thing. And yeah, uh, you. It sounds like an argument over the trick that happened earlier today. I give a light rap on the door. Fine. And then there's a, there's a stiff snap as the door opens and Harry Houdini stands up from the force of his own pull and his hair is already a little must and he's been sweating and he's red faced and behind him is the blonde man who now that you see them, you see the family resemblance, but their attempts at facial hair and posture have completely separated themselves in the, in the, the public eye. And they're both, they've both clearly just been arguing the ever living hell out of something. And they both stand, stand up straight. And uh, Theo Houdini's brother puts folds one arm behind his back and stands up straight and then uh, plays with the, uh, his thumb of his other finger how can we help you? Oh, Miss, Miss Westchild. It's, um, finally, it's wonderful to finally meet you. I'm sure, 
sure Harry was going to tell me about your friendship in any moment, weren't you, Harry? And then Harry shoots him a, a, a glare that says the storyteller doesn't want two talking NPCs. <laughs> and uh, Theo walks up to you, extends a hand, and says, uh, Theo Harding, but my friends call me Dash. Charmed, Dash. And uh, Victoria holds her hand out, expecting it to be kissed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, maintains eye contact. Um, Houdini is a lot of things, but genuinely charming in the presence of other people. He's a little too obsessed with his own craft to maintain that sort of thing. His brother doesn't seem to have that sort of problem. Mm -hmm. He, by looking at you, makes you feel like there is no one else in the room. And Harry Houdini's the other person in the fucking room. (laughs) So, So, like, the man knows what he's doing. And he smiles, turns to his brother. Harry, I'm going to go take a look at the boat. And he walks out. Harry, darling, what an amazing performance out there on the dock today. It's fine that I didn't know that it was happening. I would have timed our entry differently, but it's so charming to meet you in person. Oh, it's wonderful to meet you as as well. I had considered telling you, but I had thought, what if the correspondence was misdelivered? And then you didn't know, and then we would be exactly where we are now, just running through the numbers in my head. The chances of the correspondence going missing or not reaching you in time would be the exact same uh, point as not telling you at all. So, really, it it, it was just just really math. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, You are uh, um, as eloquent and and as um, graceful as as uh, as I've I've heard and uh, the, the the photography the photos that detail your uh, your life. It's wonderful to finally meet you. Indeed, it is. I'm so excited that we could be on this voyage together, and I'm so intrigued by your ideas about how to uh, about your ideas regarding the seance. And he gets this look in his eyes, and then kind of without touching you, but like kind of like motions you inside like a, a keto sort of move. Um, and then <laughs> conspiratorially, the yeah, conspiratorially looks around the hallway and then shuts the door and puts his back to it looking at you. That woman is already driving me mad. There are people in the audience right now. There are people at the bar right now talking about how fantastic this seance is going to be. Jump cut to Von Croft. Von Klaus talking about how great this is going to be. <laughs> and he's talking with a man who would otherwise be more comfortable in a trench coat. That's uh, great. That's No, 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 no. But, but you, no. you don't you don't get it. You don't get it. Right. Because, because I wasn't in Burma. Right. Exactly. That? And that's where they do <laughs> the best say is this. And it, listen, I saw her. I saw her live in Burma. Mm. It, it was. She was in Burma. Changed, it changed. I mean, all everybody. Look, I, I get it, of course, but I mean, if you've been to Burma, you've been to Burma. That's what I'm saying. And listen, it changed my life. She revealed things about the universe that, I mean, and he kind of looks around and, and leans in as he's going to tell a secret. How do you think I found that oil? Uh, <laughs> David. I am a yeah. private investigator. Can I roll to see how much bullshit I can see from this guy's speech? 
Nope, not at the first game. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's that's. All right, no, I'm, I'm gonna say you're you're, you're you're good at grifting, so I'm not. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I was just curious, but he's like, yeah, 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 yeah uh, that's. I'm sure it's. I need to know. Okay, I guess I'm staying here. That's great. That's he he comes across as not necessarily lying, but definitely fucking full of himself. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Like we've <laughs> all met, we've all met somebody who's so into one aspect of themselves, and that's all they'll talk about. Mm-hmm. So you know, looking at you, CrossFitters. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I've got to go um, do something not here. So uh, I enjoy your. Uh, this and I walk away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And back to uh back to who Dini did is Billy back? Is Billy back from yeah, where he was? Oh shit, you're there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's why I wasn't bringing you up yet. I thought you would I thought you had gone uh gone to the men's room. <clears throat> and then it cuts back to Harry Houdini. And she's already she's already drummed up some interesting ideas about what uh, what could be found from what can be gleaned from their seance and she's even starting to talk to some of the academics on board saying that there's a possibility that some of the wreckage might be salvageable from the Titanic jump cut two uh, to uh, Billy's character, uh, Doctor, uh, Doctor Antoine An- Antoine Agni. Hi. <laughs> and your wife is excitedly telling you, no, Antoine, she told me personally through a friend that I know through the college who was correspondence friends with one of her assistants that is in uh, that was in Luxembourg, that it's possible that we could actually find wreckage that we could salvage on this very ship underneath in the water imagine melinda he says as he's he's nodding along where are we at are we still in our room you can be in your room or you can be outside wherever you want yeah we're actually walking out of the room we're walking down the hallways and she's just like gripping his arm excitedly as he talks and uh, antoine has this kind of bored expression on his face but after a moment where he realizes there's been a, a severe pause he real he kind of checks back into the conversation he says melinda darling um i, I just don't want you to get so overly uh, excited about this performance let's not forget what happened when we went to the circus those many months ago uh, after you saw what they did the elephants you were in tears for days and I, I just don't want you to be disappointed this woman is a um she is a parlor trick which is very entertaining but there's very little substance to her abilities i, I assure you we we're, this is going to be an entertaining show uh, like it uh, like a poetry slam or a a reading but there's there's really no science or or academic value to it but maybe she'll do something beforehand to prove doubters wrong oh. or at least turn your ear husband I, I assure you, I, I, look, I, I look forward to the opportunity, but the most things I look forward to is having a delightful time with you. And he gives her hand a, a couple more kisses as they enter. There is an elevator. Is there an elevator during these times? 
No, we go um, downstairs. No. We walk yeah. downstairs like stairs. They're like grandiose ballroom style staircases, though. They're gorgeous. So, uh, But yeah, as he's walking down the stairs with her, um, he does pause at a, it was a, it's a very beautiful portrait, uh, and he looks it over, and there's a second or two of uh, his act dropping. And he just kind of looks mm-hmm. towards her and says, like, I know it's been difficult with my work schedule and us mer- moving. And I know Miss Kintanic is not exactly your ideal home, but I do want it to be our home. And I hope this voyage can prove that. Well, I suppose if we can, if I can spend a week and a half with Eunuch Cabin, surrounded by people we don't know, not our friends, then I suppose we can talk about spending our lives together in a home in Arkham. I think that is a, uh, an interesting hypothesis, and I look forward to uh, seeing how this experiment rolls. <laughs> Stop it, Doctor. I remember you when you couldn't rub two pennies together. Well, you, you know, go first. You know, we don't talk about those dark times. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, they, and they chuckle. It's, it's, it, yeah. She, oh, yeah, no. She cuts through the bullshit. She remembers him when he was dirt poor with his family. His dad worked in a goddamn coal mine. Yep. And it jump cuts back to Harry Houdini looking wild-eyed at Veronica. She is living madness spilled upon this earth like an inkblot. <laughs> But darling, that's just going, it, the more that she talks about it, the more that she builds it up, the more spectacular the failure will be. It's true. It's true. So all I have to do is endure until the 15th when she conducts the seance. When she conducts the seance. That's all I have to do. That's and I am I so to excited to have a front row seat for your greatest performance yet. Thank you. Thank you very much. Are you going to be singing or acting? Is there a stage? I believe there might be a stage. Of there's course a stage. there's a stage. I am the star of any stage that there is. Oh, perfect. Well, <clears throat> if it would be all right with you, um, Ms. Ver- Ms. Westchild, could I join you at dinner? It would be my pleasure, absolutely. And this is where Eriudini's lack of charisma kind of... <laughs> because generally a man would ask a woman to dinner, not ask if he could tag along. Harry doesn't do this a lot, you can tell. <laughs> I could see I could uh, see right now if he's married at this point in his life, but I'm not going to because I like this interaction much more. Um uh, and uh, for um, for visual approximation, I'm going to say that Harry Houdini uh, is being played uh, by um, God. Um, I just I, I really kind of oh God, what's his name? Sorry. So Harry Houdini would be was be um, I kind of want to say Seth Rogen, but that's like really goofy. <laughs> 1894. Um, 1894? Yes, he was married in 1894. Uh, well, too bad for him. He's single now. <laughs> uh, Cthulhu's already struck once. Um, uh, in which case, we're going to say Michael Sarah. <laughs> so, 
It was an old Michael Sarah. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, oh, he died right. in uh, 1926. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, sorry. I sh- shut up, Billy. Cut this. No spoilers. No. It's no problem. Everyone has the internet. I knew putting this together, anyone here could idly Google mm-hmm. like what was going on. But now he's Michael Sarah, so you're going to feel worse if he dies. Um, and uh, the feel night... worse if he gets alcohol in his system. He's still a little boy. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so the night progresses on to the grand dinner and there is let's pull up the list of oh so many tabs you guys so many tabs let's calm down on the tabs um yes this video where is it sorry there we go oh my god come on there we go Right, there we go. Okay, Captain Joseph McField, uh, accompanied by First Mate William Donovan, uh, bring the bring this sort of procession. Uh, there is a uh, band playing on, guess, a very elegant wooden uh, elevated stage uh, that is in the that is in the corner that faces the entirety of this elongated illustrious ballroom. There are gorgeous crystal chandeliers that hang down giving just enough illumination so that everyone can see their food and the glint of the light off of their, uh, their crystal, uh, their crystal glassware, but not so much that it is glaring and you can still comfortably uh, smoke a pipe or enjoy your drink with, uh, without being able to be seen across the way, which is important for people such as uh, Veronica, Harry Houdini, and even her friend whose name I don't remember. Um, so sure. Um, yeah, Victoria and her friend Veronica, excuse me. And, uh, and there is a, uh, there's a sound of someone ringing their champagne glass with a fork as the, as the captain stands up and says, thank you very much for all of you who are here on our maiden voyage the RMS Arcana. I, myself, and first mate William Donovan want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for joining us here on this intrepid adventure. Even though what we recast, what we retrace, is something of sorrow, the first mate and I firmly believe that It is bringing hope and a knowledge of the past which can proceed to a more illuminated future. And he says, now, I believe that Madame Zostra has something to say to everyone. Madame? Madame Zostra is sitting there, statuesque. She's dressed in black lace with a veil that covers her face and she seems to be staring straight ahead piercing into through the veil that through the veil that she is wearing but also into the veil of the cosmos and there's a deafening silence
And after what seems like an eternity, Madame Zostra pitches over her food dead as a doornail and lands with a thump. Oh, my God. No! Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Whoa. Uh, medic? Is there a Medic, is there a doctor? Is I- there a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> Melinda looks towards me, shocked, but even I know what she's thinking of. Like, hey, you're a do- Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And you do have first aid. You I do, do have first aid. I do have first aid. So immediately I do stand up. If I don't see anybody else rushing, uh, I'd, I'll stand up and say, I, I, went, I, have a, I happen to know a few things about medicine. Uh, allow me. And he's yeah, going, clear the way. Clear the way. Give her air. Give her air. Yeah, he's going to rush to her. He's assuming she's choked since she mm-hmm. was eating. So he's going to see if she's breathing, if she, there's any discoloration. But yeah, he's going to be using first aid to try to assess the situation and then fix it. Okay, let's let's roll it. So that's going to be an average. She is, you know, there. You're, it's uh, taking pulse stuff like that. So your uh, first roll of the game is to help save an old woman's life. Uh, so that is going to be a first aid. I got a seven. You did. I rolled a seven. Mm. Holy shit! Yeah. Um, she real did. <laughs> yeah, this is to see, like, yeah, I have to evaluate her first, and then then I will yeah, see if so, pumping her chest is worth it, or if it's just awkward at this point. Uh, well, first of all, you got to kiss her real deep to get, like, that's that's how first aid works, Well, I right? slap her. I slap her first, because she's hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> and if that doesn't work, then I say she's dead. <laughs> so after slapping her, kissing her. Does anybody have any heroin? <laughs> and... You assess without a shadow of a doubt that she did not choke, but she is dead. Do I know what killed her? Poison or anything like that? Can't really tell. I look towards she's, everybody. She's been, yeah, yeah, she's I, been dead long in, or in such a short amount of time that she's still warm. I look towards people and I take off my, uh, my glasses, wipe them down on my like vest and say, or wipe them in a handkerchief and say, my God, she's dead. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Turn off the brass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Dramatic pause and everything. And yeah, yep. she, she's definitely dead. I, I, I talk with the captain or whoever approaches about. I, I, I don't know. She doesn't look like. I don't know. She doesn't look like she choked on anything. It, it could be a heart attack or perhaps a stroke. Do you think it was the... He keeps his voice down. Do you think it was the food? I... I kind of make a show of it. Honestly, I'm not a medical doctor, but I don't want to tell these people that. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I look for any like signs of poisoning, but I don't really know. I, have, I took a couple courses, that's it. And I say, it's hard to say, but it does not seem... Uh, I'm sorry. Ah, it's hard to say. It's... Sorry. I. It's hard to say. I mean, no one else seems to have any similar symptoms as her, and that we are all eating the same thing, so I doubt it. And there is a piercing shriek from behind you, and next to you, Angela, <gasps> as Veronica Carraway stands up and seizes her moment and yells, Ew. <laughs> it might be the food! Oh my god, it might be the food! 
and Sit she down, you faints. Nanny. She puts the back of her hand against <laughs> her forehead and collapses into the into the uh, lap of the oil baron directly next to her. <laughs> this ever happened to you in Burma? <laughs> Von Kloof? Not in Burma, but in several other places. Smelling salts. I need smelling salts. Ladies and gentlemen, I assure you, the the food is probably perfectly fine. I mean, if it's a little (laughs) undercooked, I I have to admit, and perhaps a little on the cheap end of that clam chowder, if you could call it so that. Uh, But everything is fine. No one is going to be dead, except for this one right here, (laughs) which is already Uh, mm. dead. I, doctor... Antoine Agony of Miskatonic University uh, assures you there's nothing to worry about. All right. So this is going to be a charm roll, which you actually have. I do have charm. I do have charm indeed. Mm-hmm. Not great. 26. 26. All right. You stand up. You have the bearing of your station. And you choke out your words, and there is a pause, and you are convinced that you are standing on the precipice of a complete riot. And then there is a firm hand on your shoulder as the, as the captain says, Thank you, doctor, whom we have placed on this ship for such an emergency such as these. <clears throat> <laughs> I straighten up and try to look as doctorish as possible. I think it is important now that we respect the severity of the situation and I'll return to our cabins in which we will have dinner delivered to all of you if you wish or rejoin here within two hours. Thank you very much, everyone. You will be directed to your hallways. Everything will be fine. Right, Doctor? Of course, yes. Everything is going to be uh, fine. And I assure you, uh, this will be, this is just a mere setback to a wonderful voyage uh, to our final destination. Uh, I mean, not final destination as we're gonna die. We will be, be in Ireland, eventually. One day, we're, uh, I mean, another woman faints, not okay. realizing that's where you were going. <laughs> <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> that that causes the panic. <laughs> <laughs> but there's the Irish there. <laughs> uh, all right, and everyone starts. Uh, everyone starts to file out, and there is a. Uh, there is a tugging on your uh, on your hands, Angela, Veronica. Oh. It's Harry. Um, Veronica, I'm, I'm sorry to bother you. I'm but, Victoria. Uh, Victoria, God damn it! I shouldn't have done that. Victoria, you should, not have. you should not have. I like V names. Um, Victoria, I'm going to write that one down. Please call me um, Tori. <laughs> never. I did helpfully change my display name. 
You did. You did. I'm sorry. I just keep closing the window. No, no, no. That's so, no. <clears throat> that's fine. Uh, Victoria, and it is, it is uh, Harry Houdini, um, and he tugs on your arm and says, I, 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 "Victoria, I, I can't find Theo." I'm sorry. Who was that again, darling? My brother. Oh, yes, the charming gentleman. I mean, uh, I'm sure he went back to the cabin. There's just a little bit of uh, unrest at the moment, of course. All right, fine. Um, I'll, I'll see you back on the on the third um, thing. The third floor? Stairway? Yes. Gangplank. Deck. What do they call them here? They are and decks. He, he collects himself as a man who's, a, you know, born and bred entertainer and walks off, ha- you know, Absolutely not uh, showing any of the, you know, awkwardness that is apparently what Harry Houdini is. Does the band play that uh, that Michael Cera music, uh, that Arrested Development? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean like the the Ch- Charlie um, Charlie Brown music as he walks mm-hmm. out? He hangs his head and walks out. Of yep. course, yeah. I'm going to uh, to go take care of uh, Veronica and get her back to her cabin. Okay. All right. Uh, or more likely, like, I'm going to try to wake her up a little bit and then snap for a bellboy to, to come assist her. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to use my own hands. Yep. Uh, and he scoops her up, and you definitely see her wince a little as he's a little rough picking her up. And he whisks her off uh, as they, you know, create room. So that so we can't have another one. Women are just dying left and right. I know, it's great. <laughs> what? <laughs> and uh, now, uh, Von, Von Klauf, mm-hmm. uh, there was a moment where, there was a moment where when Veronica mm-hmm. um, collapsed into you, you broke character for a second and muttered something loud enough for some people to hear. What was it? Ah, fucking hell not again (laughs) (laughs) and that is exactly what you heard uh, that is exactly what you heard Sal when you were you were close enough you're sitting in the front row to get really good eyes on this person this Theo that you were sent there Mm -hmm. uh, sent there to find whom was not in attendance as it turns out for for the dinner. And now there is, uh, there's been a death. There has been an overacting. So really a death on stage. Um, and now there is, uh, the distinct sound of what you know to be not a Burma ease accent. <laughs> and considering how much he's been talking about it, you would assume that he would sound like that. Doesn't mm-hmm. sound like Burma. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. And everyone is whisked out of their, um, out of the hallway, except for you are stopped, Jesus. Um, by, and are they whisking yeah. the doctor away as well? No. No. You are, uh, the doctor is staying. Victoria, if you wish to stay, no one's touching you. Um, and uh, Harry Houdini is, he's, he's lingering, but he's going to go back to his room. And the, and the, um, the captain 
is pulling at the arm of this large gentleman who uh, who seems to be leaving this brusque gentleman. And Jesus, you are stopped by the captain. Yes. Excuse me, are you Sal Brom? I am. Detective Sal Brom? I am. Would you walk with me, please, sir? All right. And I cautiously walk with him. Mm-hmm. And he's going to lead you back to the hoopla. Mm-hmm. Now. At first second, I thought you said hookah. I'm like, sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and he points at the unfortunate woman who's now getting uh, laid out and they're putting a cloth over her. Mm-hmm. And he calmly looks at all of you. Uh, Cl- Von Klauf, I don't know if you're still there or not. Um, yeah, he's around. He's, he's mm-hmm. grabbing one last drink. <laughs> well, yeah, everyone's been whisked away. There's a whole bunch of unattended uh, mm-hmm. drinks on the exactly. tables. Exactly. Yeah. I might have. It'd be a shame to let all that alcohol go to waste. Yeah, I might have grabbed one along the way on the walkover. I'm dr- I'm looking at the dead body while taking a ch- taking a champagne glass. Hmm. So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for staying calm. Um. Miss Westchild, I'm sorry that you had to be here to see this. It is fine. It is uh, part of my... It is uh, important for an actress to have many experiences in her life to, to draw upon in order to make a more real and fully realized performance. Unlike your friend, which we appreciate. We all go about the craft in our own ways. Doctor, thank you very much for being here to help and I assume what I said about you being taken on to be thorough for the rest of the trip if you understand. Of course sir, but I, I do want to point out I I am a doctor but not so much of the medical variety though I, I will keep that to myself as just as long as you're, I'm not expected to continue these uh, charades uh, any further. No, charades. Absolutely, there no such thing on my ship as uh, Von Kluff, you choke on a peanut when you hear him say that. Uh, fantastic, but um, I, I, will, I will keep up uh, this uh, ruse. Thank you. Um, and I, I it, consider it uh, m- my gift to you. <laughs> I have to bear some bad news to all of you, and I wanted, Miss Westchild, since you are a foremost investor for this uh, for this endeavor, uh, for uh, Doctor, since you have been so fortuitously here, Mr. Brome, because of your skill set, that um, I've heard of you. Good to be known. Hmm. Makes things so much easier. Our Doctor did not arrive on the ship this afternoon. And I was told that he, in fact, never appeared before we left. So, Doctor, I'm afraid that you're it. I, I'm i a doctor of anthropology. I, I am a medical professional. I mean, I've, I've done some study, of course, at the university, but uh, if you think I'm going to be uh, qualified to be treating individuals for injuries, I, 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 I find the idea a little bit ludicrous, if not uh, a tad bit uh, 
on the nose of ridiculous. Well, as it stands, I do not think you'll have to do anything but assuage the fears of many of the people on board. Miss Fair, Miss Westchild, I have been informed by one of the personnel on this ship that the doctor for our ship was supposed to appear shortly before taking off. It was when your friend and his brother pulled that stunt. Yes, and darling? Unfortunately, those two containers were supposed to contain medical supplies for emergencies such as this. That's unfortunate. Indeed, and I must say that I had no idea that dear Harry was going to pull such a stunt. I believe you. Of course you do. But I thought that, considering Mr. Houdini's skill set, it would be wiser to tell a friend of his to perhaps inquire as to his timing before I need to inform any of the personnel on this ship that Harry Houdini is a person of interest in the untimely death of a woman that he has very publicly wished ill. Oh, now I don't think we'll need to go to that extreme. Of course, I will talk to, to dear Harry a few, a little bit more about his interesting choice of timing. I have already made my displeasure with it known. Good. Then, And if you consider it appropriate, Captain, I would also like to speak with Houdini and his brother, of course, when it's, a, when it's the appropriate time. Now, I have had some training with circumstances like this. I have, I have looked at the body. I have considered... The concept of poison. Doctor, I understand that you're not a medical doctor. No, but she doesn't seem to have any signs of obvious poisonings. No. No. But I am greatly concerned about this sort of... And then there is a blast from uh, the door as the door swings open. And there's a man, uh, an attendant, uh, an employee for the ship, yelling loudly in, uh, in Catalan Spanish. And the, 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 um, priest, the, thank you. Wow. (laughs) Gosh, that was awful. Uh, the captain speaks back in broken Spanish for a moment. Go on, go on, slow down. What? What do you mean? Someone broke into the steam holder. And what does that do? That's where all of your things are kept, miss. Oh, my goodness. What yes. r- ruffians? Someone broke into storage. Into the steamer trunks. The steamer trunks? Which ones? And he describes the tags you put on artifacts from Miskatonic. Those are my... That sounds exactly what I am transporting. I was assured that there would be no difficulties uh, bringing those here. Uh, I, 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 I cannot begin to describe how important it is for us to, to find this ruffian and get him back, to, those things back to me. All right. Well, unfortunately, for most of our well-heeled clients, we kept all of your objects in the same 
locked area. I'm going to need all of you to come with me to ensure that, to tell me whether or not anything is missing so that we can start investigating a theft. Last thing I need is people believing that there is some sort of murder and uh, thieving uh, 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 skill set involved tonight. Or the two are related. We'll see. Uh, I sincerely doubt that someone would kill a nice old lady such as this and looks over and it's just the, it's just, it's the witch from Drag Me to Hell. This woman just <laughs> looked like a kind of, she looked like a devil worshiper. Uh, yes. Um, please do and make haste. Like I said, there is a significant culturally culturally important artifacts throughout that entire trunk. And the, anything the worth stealing? All, well, I suppose so. For towards for academics, I mean, nothing of true value that uh, a miscreant would find much use for. Mm. But I suppose if you knew the proper cycles, the right academic circles, you might be able to make a um, a sizable. Uh, uh, passing of uh, a fortune, yes. All right. Miss Westchild, uh, Doctor, uh, 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 Detective Brome, please come with me. We need to make sure that everything is still where you need it so that if anything is amiss, then we can start a formal inquiry. And uh, as he starts to, as he starts to lead all of you away, uh, Mr. Von Kampf, Mr. Von Kloof. Yes. Yes. Mr. Von Kloof. Mr. Von Kloof, I understand that your steamer might have been broken into as well. Oh, that would be terrible. That would be the worst. That would I have many things from Burmese, my travels. All of your Burmese of my, things that you were, yes, well, you were going my, to show us. Exactly. Priceless. In, 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 they're very priceless. Please, please come with us. Make sure that nothing has, Burma, been, you know. nothing has been amiss. Mm-hmm. And uh, leads you all down into the bottom of the... Uh, of the of the ship uh, by rows and rows of locked up crates into the very back, which is clearly a large steel door that has been soldered into the actual structure of the boat to contain items behind it with a massive padlock that has is just swinging open. Hmm. And then ahead, there is uh, there are just not as many as you would think, not as many well-heeled clients, but boxes and boxes of, uh, of, of crates and steamer trunks. And I'm going to need everyone to give me a spot hidden roll. And that guy 71. So I failed, so I get to mark down spot hidden. Correct, you do. I've I got a 24. 31 and I succeed. All right, so 24 for <laughs> Miss Westchild is... Uh, oh, yeah, a, that just makes it. That okay, so... Um, so who made it? And so did Victoria. Okay, Victoria. Uh, you find a lot of your objects have seemingly been rifled through. Um, but you do spy... Um, you do spy that some things have been rifled through in such a way so that um, some of your more uh, valuable possessions have been left alone. Hmm. Um, And most specifically, uh, something is uh, missing, and that is a locket that is very dear to you. Those, those... Well, Lady won't use the words that I am feeling for whoever committed such a, a heinous crime. 
and Jesus as you are poking through all of the belongings that are absolutely not yours. Uh, you come upon a you come upon a steamer trunk uh, that is uh, that is slightly open and Dan, what are you doing about your steamer trunk? The one that is definitely full of very priceless items from Burma. Yeah, no, I'm trying to find it, and as soon as I find it, shove it into the darkest corner I can find. All right. And, uh, Jesus, you notice that uh, that uh, Mr. Von Klauff is protecting his belongings. It doesn't seem that his items... He's quickly stuffing them back into his steamer trunk and shutting them. Rich people are weird like that. Is there any very, chance very I get... secretive. I can't... Is there a chance I can quickly look at what he's doing, but what, what stuff he's stuffing in there before he's... I would say yes, but that's not what catches your eye because as Mr. Von mm. Klauff pushes the steamer trunk into the farther reaches of the corner of the area, there is a... Uh, you see an immaculate white dinner glove seems to be seems to be placed amongst all of the the detritus and the different areas definitely standing out mm-hmm. yeah. I walk forward mm-hmm. is anyone missing a glove no I'm missing and- an entire steamer trunk filled with priceless artifacts that's what I'm missing and I don't understand why you're more concerned about a lost glove be- and you pull it the glove Jesus and an entire person comes with it as the body of Theodore Hardin, formerly the uh, brother of one Harry Houdini, falls dead in front of all of you. <sighs> and that is where we're going to end for tonight. Oh! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I had to fight back. I had to really fight the whole, like, oh, introduce all kinds of spooky shit now mm-hmm. and just go with setting up a murder plot. I dig um, it. Nice. So, yes. So, sorry about the railroads, the railroading. Um, and it was a lot of dialogue, a lot of your storyteller, or keep, Keeper of Forbidden Lore, I think is the name of the keeper, storyteller. Keeper, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, talking. But next time will absolutely be more of you guys having a lot more agency now that we've set up who's in charge, who's dead, who is suspicious, and things like that. Love it. Sounds great. This right. is so much fun. I love yes. this. The <laughs> setting, you're weaving a very uh, very mysterious story. I can't wait to dig in more. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And also, like, my favorite part about this was 1926, you, you don't need to separate anybody from their cell phones. <laughs> so I'm never going to run a modern-day Lovecraft game. Like, it's just so nice. Mm. I was like, oh, but what if they call any of their contacts? They can't. They can't. It's impossible. <laughs> or oh. you can do it if it's if it's modern and everyone gets really high and decides they just want to go to White Castle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Mm. That, is a, that is, a, <laughs> is a very, very good point. Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, so thoughts on 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 the system? We didn't do a lot of rolling because I didn't want it to get too bogged down with the uh, system. No, this, like I said, the system um, it's functional. Nothing mm-hmm. too crazy. I like I, I like that they uh, do the ma- like. There's I like how that's set up. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot on this character sheet, but it all makes sense once you get what's yeah. going on, and I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And we passed more rolls than we failed. I mean, yeah. we only had like five rolls, but we passed most of them. I'm surprised I passed yeah. the ones that I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys mark down all of any of the 
uh, rolls that you failed. I think for it instance, passed all of mine, so I think I'm fine. Uh, I marked yeah. mine, yeah. I won't fail. Okay, cool. Because mm-hmm. in between, not this time, because we're going to pick up ex- pretty much almost exactly where we left off, but once there is a break, probably after next game, when things really start rolling, uh, then you can start increasing your nice. increasing your failed roll skills. Good. Um, and David, you're we're running this t- uh, next week as well, yes? Yes. Great. Awesome. Definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. And then... And then, yeah, so my thought is probably a three to four arc, three to four game arc, mm-hmm. and then we can see if we want to continue it. Um, Love it. Yeah. And let's, I'm trying to think of, oh, right, so Chaosium, the people who make this game, um, actually released, those PDFs are fillable, and they do the math for you, and those are ones that they released for you. Nice. And oh my God, I wish other games would do that. <laughs> I mean, it's not so simple as doing like halves and quarters and things like that, but Boy, howdy, did it take a lot of the grunt work out of oh, making sure. these characters. And um, and so all of these characters are mixed around. They're mixed around a little bit. Um, so just, you know, I was like hesitant to raise or lower anybody's stats. So, for instance, Angela, it actually was your character. Your character started as a, as a middle-of-the-road wealthy person. And I was like, mm-hmm. that can't, that's not the character. That's like not the story, you know. So... I do really like some of the stuff about the uh, about the game. So, for instance, credit rating is a skill you have to put points into, um, but it it really comes in handy. Dan, because you have zero credit rating, or I think you have mm-hmm. one because you yeah, can't have zero like zero. Yeah, yeah um, that's why the you have like such a crazy scattering of uh, smattering of skills. You've got like engineering and climbing and uh, like persuade and all this stuff, yeah. uh, or not persuade. You just have. Um, you just have fast talk. Um, but that's because there are roles later on where you have to check your credit to literally exist in human society. Because the two-prong attack from games that take place in the Cthulhu mythos is that you need to be, like, current society is, is designed specifically to keep you away from what is going on in the cosmos. Mm-hmm. And it will fight you whenever you try to do anything else. Um, but, yeah, so, anyways... Um, any sort of, uh, requests, um, or, uh, I guess what's our, what's our question for our listeners, I suppose. What was, what was being served at the, uh, uh hmm. yeah, what was it being served at the dinner? What killed that old bra? <laughs> what is the signature cocktail on the RMS archive? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you actually want something to help you with that, there is a PDF on our ICH, it, it, itch-o. Our itch. <laughs> Scratch our itch and get my PDF. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at this. Right. Um, all right, so I guess we can stop recording. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time for Bon Voyage. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Fandible. If you liked it, then head on over to Fandible.com. We've done a lot of games, and I'm sure there's something there you'll like. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Discord. If you find a few dollars burning a hole in your pocket, then you can go to Patreon forward slash Fandible and become a member. You get early releases and access to special Discord chats, and we get to keep the lights on. Finally, please give us a rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. It's super helpful, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.